0: First of all, I'd like to thank Brother Randall for the kind remarks. Randall, I'll pay (laughs) you later. Anyway, uh, you know, we're fortunate here at Pippin to have a man of Brother Randy Bobby's caliber. And I feel humbled by even standing up here where he stands, you know, because uh, I'm kind of like a duck out of the water when I'm, Trying to preach or trying to speak, but you know Peter tells us <clears throat> that we're to be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh us a reason for the hope that is in us with meekness and fear. Uh, there's one lady in this congregation that was talking to our preacher, to Brother Bobby, and she said, "Brother Bobby said, I'll not call her name, but her initials are M.C." Uh and she says, Brother Bobby says, you know, we we thought a lot of you up till now, and now you brought in a visit a long-winded visiting preacher. Of <laughs> Course you would probably surmise who that was and who said that, but uh anyway there's uh, mankind, you know, is prone to uh be reluctant to change. You know, people get settled into a, a rut, so to speak, and they they like to feel comfortable and they they're they they do not want to change. They're satisfied with status quo. Somebody said that status quo was just another word, a uh, way of saying for the same old mess that we're in. But uh, you know, status quo does mean uh, the same situation that we're in. But. Uh, <clears throat> I'd like for us to think for a few minutes about a change. And if we expect to ever get to heaven, there's going to have to be a change made in our lives. Because we're born into this world free from sin and everything is a babe. But it ain't very long until we reach that age of accountability and then we are prone to, man is prone to drift off into sin and to do things that he shouldn't do. And in order to be reconciled back to God, we're going to have to have this transformation uh, take place in our lives. You know, I'm, I was thinking about in Brother uh, uh, Colonel's uh, prayer, he, taught, he said, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path that leads from earth to heaven, of course. And then also in Psalms 19 and uh, uh, 7, it says, "The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. And then in uh, Psalms uh, uh, I mean rather in John 17:17, 17, 17, he says, "Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth." And then in John 8 verse 32, he says, "Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free." Free from what? Free from the law of sin and death, of course. Uh, Then also in uh, uh, Romans uh, 1, Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. to everyone one that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, that is, as as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Hebrews 4 and 12 says that the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing sunder of both soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. You know, the truth and the word and the scriptures are all used interchangeably in the Bible. You'll notice that. And Then in 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17, he says here, "...all Scripture is given by inspiration to God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly furnished unto every good work." So we don't need man's catech- books of catechism and, and creed books and, and things like that to go by because the Scripture is adequate, adequate for our every need. Brother, uh, Brother Lane read for us from Romans 12, and I'll, I'll repeat a little of that, but I'll not try to quote it all, I, I suppose. He said, I beseech you, therefore, Paul did, I beseech you or I beg you, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world. Don't be shaped like this world, fashioned like this world. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Then he says, I like this verse, verse 3, he says, for I say through the grace given unto me to every man is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. According as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. For we, are, we, are, uh, we have many members in one body, but all members have not the same office. And then he goes ahead and talks about the different gifts that uh, we have. You know, one will have a gift of prophecy. One will have a gift of, of ministry. One will have a gift of exhortation. One will rule with diligence. We to show mercy with cheerfulness. And then verse 9 says, this is a great admonition for all Christians or anybody as far as that's concerned. He says, let love be without dissimulation. In other words, let it be without hypocrisy. Let it be genuine. Abhor or hate that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affection one to another in honor preferring one another. He says, for not to be slothful in business, but to be fervent in the spirit, uh, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in, in tribulation. So we might ask the question, well, what is transformation? I was talking to Brother Joey the other day, and I asked Brother Joey what a transformer did. And he said that a transformer out on the pole here reduces the voltage down to a level where it can be used safely in the home so there's a change takes place in that electricity well you know there's a change takes place in mankind's life too if he uses the gospel as his transformer and we're transformed you know out out of sin into the glorious light of our of our lord and savior jesus christ so you might say that uh, transformation is a change it's a reformation uh it, it it Border, it, it and repentance borders on, the, on the, the same line. You know, they're almost the same thing. Repentance and change of change of life or transformation of life is is about the same thing. But then the next question we might ask is, why do we need to be transformed? Well, because mankind is evil. It's just that simple. If you recall back in Genesis five. And it says that God saw that the wickedest man was great in all the earth, and that every imagination of his heart was evil continually. So uh, He said then uh, in the next verse that uh, He said, "I will just I'll just destroy man from off the face of the earth." Verse seven of Genesis six, and uh, because He said, "I'll destroy man, beast." and all creeping things and and fowls and everything because he said it repented me that i made him he he was sorry that he made man when he turned out to be so so evil but verse 8 says that noah found favor in the sight of god and we can find favor in the sight of god why was noah why was he why did he find favor in the sight of god because he was referred to as a preacher of righteousness because noah works righteousness. You know, in Acts 10, 34 and 35, Peter said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation, he that feareth God and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. So that's the way that we can be accepted with God too. Uh, we we uh, Man is evil. We're lost, in, in other words, then, if we don't change. Romans five and verse twelve says, wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world. Of course that man was Adam. And death by sin, and so death is passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And then we can turn to Romans three twenty three and it tells us it says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then Romans six twenty three says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Of course, through Christ Jesus our Lord. So what do we need to do? Man's evil, we're lost unless we change. We need to put off that old man of sin, don't we? In Ephesians 4 and verse 22, he says here that you put off concerning the former conversation of man, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Now, putting off the former conversation which all simply means a matter of life. We put off the old manner of life. We're a changed person. And we put on the new new life, of course. Let's look at some, uh, two or three examples of a transformation that took place in the scriptures. All three of them are found in the book of Acts. You remember in Acts the ninth chapter, about one through six, there's the there's story of uh, of Saul's conversion. He was on the road to Damascus and the bright lights shined down and, and blinded him, and the voice spoke from above, and said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he says, "Uh, uh, Who who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And then he went ahead, and he told, he said, Well, what must I do? Saul asked the question. He said, Go into the city, and there it will be told thee what thou must do. And you know the story in Acts uh, 22 and verse 16. Ananias came to Saul and he, and Saul had been praying and Ananias said, uh, Arise, he said, Why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So uh, Paul had said before in Acts 26 and verse 9, he said, I thought verily thou ought to do many things contrary To Jesus of Nazareth and certainly he did he was on his way with letters to bind the Christians and take them and have them to put in prison and some of them even killed at the time of of his conversion so he thought that he was doing everything just right but wasn't that a great transformation that took place in Paul's life he was just as zealous for the cause of Christ as he was before Uh, once he was converted and once he was transformed uh, if you, might, if you please. Then another one, of course, is Philip and the eunuch. I like this, the eighth chapter of Acts. Uh, you remember that the eunuch was uh, in charge of Queen Candace's uh, treasury, and he'd been up to Jerusalem to worship, and he was on his way back down in the desert, and uh, he was reading from the scriptures from the Old Bible, you know. And the Spirit told Philip to attach, go and attach yourself to the chariot. And the Bible says that he ran to the chariot. He was eager to talk to that man. And where he was reading was from Isaiah 53. You know where it says that uh, as he was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb dumb before his shears, he opened not his mouth. And in his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? for his life has been taken from the earth. Talking about Christ, of course. And the eunuch says, Who is this man speaking of? Someone else or himself? And then uh, a Philip began and opened his mouth, verse 35, began at the same scripture, and he preached unto him Jesus. And of course, preaching unto him Jesus would be preaching the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. And then uh, they came to a certain water and the eunuch said, See, here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Philip said, If thou believest all thy heart, thou mayest. And he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. And it says that they both went down into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them. And as they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip that the eunuch saw him no more. But he went on his way rejoicing. I would think that the unit was a transformed man When you? He was a different person because he had obeyed the gospel. Then there's another case along with Paul and Philip and the eunuch there's the Philippian jailer in Acts 16 beginning about verse 25 and going through 33 along in there uh, you recall that uh, Paul and Silas were in prison and the great earthquake came they were singing and praying at midnight and an earthquake came, and the foundations of the prison were shaken, and the doors was open, and every man's bonds or bands were loosed. And the jailer rose up and drew his sword, and supposing that the prisoners had escaped, and he said, Paul says in a loud voice, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here, he said. And then he began and spake unto him the words of the Lord in verse uh, 32. They spake unto him the words of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he asked, you know, what must I do to be saved? And he, he was told, he said, believe on the Lord Jesus and thou shalt be saved and thy house. But now we know that that's not all that he did because he began there and preached the word to him. And salvation is not by just one thing, you know, to the exclusion of all the others. It takes all of the steps as we'll get into a little bit later on. But verse 33 of Acts 16 says that he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes, because they had been beaten, washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all of his, straightway. This is just three examples that we find of of transformation uh, in the scriptures. But I'm sure that there's many more. We might ask the question then, how are we transformed? How can we be transformed? Why, of course, in Acts 17.11, it says that the Bereans were more noble than those in Thessalonica because they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. Now, what's the key to that verse? Search the scriptures daily. And we all fall short of that. Believe you me. I know personally myself. I'm, physically, I'm not lazy. But mentally, I'm a little bit lazy. And I think everybody's kindly like that a little bit. Then in 2 Timothy 2.15, most of you probably quote that. He said, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, handling a right, or rightly dividing uh, the word of truth. So your man has always been a a worshiping creature. Uh, Under the old law, the Jews offered animal sacrifice. But we today... As, you, as was read in our hearing, are to offer our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is only our reasonable service. You know, we've not done anything great when we do all we can do for Him. Another scripture says that when we've done all, that we're still just unprofitable servants in the sight of God. So, how can we be transformed? Through a study of the scriptures. By presenting our bodies a living sacrifice. When we have a knowledge of God's Word, and there's the key to it, everything right there, is a knowledge of God's Word. You know, uh, without leadership and knowledge, well, the people are going to perish. In Ephesians, i like for us to just look at In Ephesians 4, he talks about uh, just some general admonitions for Christians everywhere, and, and all Christians. Ephesians 4.25, he says, put away lying. Speak every man the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. We're members one of another. Ephesians 4.26 says, be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Verse 27 says, neither give place to the devil. Verse 28 says, let him that stole steal no more, but rather labor with his hands the things that are good that he may have to give to him that needeth. See, that's the benevolent side of us right there. We labor with our hands. We take the proceeds. We support the church. We do benevolent work. We do evangelism. We do edification. That's the only three categories that, that we're allowed to spend the Lord's money right there. And then verse 20, uh, 29, he says, Let no communicator, Corrupt communication, proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearer. You know, that's something else we need to really watch, myself included, is our speech, you know. James talks a lot about the tongue. In the book of James, he said, you know, we put bits in the horse's mouth and we drive him about. We steer ships with a little rudder, but he says, "No, the tongue no man can tame." He says, "It's a little member full of, full of deadly poison." With the tongue we both curse man and praise God. And he said, "Brothers, these things ought not so to be." And so we we need to watch that mouth, and we need to speak only the things that are good to the use of edifying. I, I may have told somebody this, but. Uh, Back when I was just growing up, my mother had a little poem that she'd say, and, and it just kind of stuck with me. And it says, If wisdom ways you wisely seek, five things observe with care. To whom you speak, all of whom you speak, and how, and when, and where. And that was good advice, you know what? And uh, my grandpa used to say, well, if you can't say something good about a person, just don't say anything. And certainly, uh, you know, we know that we're not to be gossipers and busybody in other men's matters. Uh, Peter tells us that. So uh, then, we're, after this uh, transformation takes place, then is that all we have to do? Are we saved eternally? Well, the answer is obvious, isn't it? No, we're not saved eternally. Uh, we have to work out our own salvation. Philippians 2 and verse 12 says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Is there nothing to do? Well, of course not. There's plenty to do in the work of the, of the Lord in the church, is it? In 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight, he says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain uh, in the Lord. Then some people will say, "Well, we can't fall from grace, you know. Once in grace, we're always in grace. You just—it's locked in." But that's not true. That's not true. We can fall from grace. First Corinthians nine, verse twenty-seven. Paul says, "But I keep under my body and bring it in under subjection, lest that when I preach to others, I myself might be a castaway." In other words, he didn't want to be a hypocrite. When he preached to others, he knew he had to keep his body under control and not uh, not sin. You know, as much no more than uh, than uh, ha, ha, than he should. I mean that he did, but uh, we all sin, as we pointed out in Romans three twenty three. But then Paul, he, and they, uh, when we talk about falling from grace, I think the first best scripture I know of is First Corinthians ten and twelve on that. He just comes right out and nails it down, Paul does. He says, to him that thinketh he standeth, take heed lest he fall. And then in another place he says, deliberately ye are fallen from grace. Does that sound like he can't fall from grace? We can fall a lot easier than we can remain faithful. We We know how Satan, the Bible tells us we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. Uh, 1 Peter 5.8 says that he walketh about as a roaring lion, uh, uh, seeking whom he may devour, You know whom he, whom he can just trick and deceive and, and get you to go back into sin, to get us to go back into sin. But then after we're transformed, there is a lot to do. We can fall from grace. We need to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. But we're to grow in the divine likeness, in the divine likeness of Christ. You know, one place that Paul was talking about some people that, that weren't growing. He said that, ye have need, uh, you know, when, when you ought to be uh, teaching others, ye have need that someone teach you the real, uh, first principles of the, of, of the oracles of God, you know. That they weren't growing like they should. And they had need of milk instead of strong, strong wheat. But we were growing divine likeness. And we were t- uh, studying from Peter this morning. Uh, we had a, a good lesson in, uh, this morning in the adult class, and we were talking about Peter. In 2 Peter 1, verses 5 through about 10, I guess, he says, And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, virtue knowledge, knowledge temperance, temperance patience, patience godliness, godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. He says, For if these things be in you and abound in you, they make you that you neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, having forgotten that he hath been purged from his old sins. And he tells us that we're to make our calling and election sure. And he says if you do these things, all of these Christian graces we refer to them, if you do these things, you shall never... Fall. Isn't that, isn't that wonderful to think that, uh, uh, that we won't fall and if we'll just add God's word to our lives? and In Ephesians, then, uh, he tells us here uh, the, to put on the whole armor of God. You know, the Christian life is referred to sometimes as a race. It's referred to sometimes as a fight. A uh, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. You've heard that. Uh He says, therefore, in Ephesians 6 and 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand, and having done all to stand. He said, stand therefore, having your loins girded about with truth, putting on the breastplate of righteousness, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And he says, taking up the shield of faith that you may be able to quench the fiery darts of the devil. And then he goes ahead to ta- say and take up the sword of the spirit and the helmet of salvation. So the the, the gospel is uh, referred to as our sword, you know. And Hebrews there said it was a two-edged sword. And Brother Keeble used to say that uh, that meant that it would cut co- coming and a going, you know. coming. He said coming and a going. But he, it's a two-edged sword. It'll cut either way, you know. So, uh, then, if you'll notice in the, in the Christian armor that the shield and the helmet are defensive weapons. You know, they're used to protect us. But most of the other one uh, things that he mentions are offensive, you know. And, of course, uh, God loves us, and he's not willing that we are lost. You know, God takes no delight in anybody uh, uh uh, going back, drifting back into sin and losing his soul, he takes no pleasure in that whatsoever. In Second uh, Peter three 9, 10, and eleven, he says, "The Lord is not slack concerning His promises as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to us with not willing that any should perish, but that all should come unto repentance. For the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a loud noise, and the." elements shall melt with fervent heat and the earth and the works therein shall be burned up seeing that these things shall be encompassed or shall come to pass what manner of person ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness what manner of person ought you to be in your everyday life is what he's saying it's a rhetorical question and it almost answers itself don't it if we put on those Christian graces that's the kind of person that we need to need to be. We need to think on those things that are pure, honest, just, lovely, and of good report, don't we? If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, it says think on these things. And then we, Christ loved us so much, not only was he willing, not willing that we should perish, but he has gone to prepare a place for us. This is one of the what I refer to as a precious promise of the Bible. In John 14, uh, 1 through 6, he says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures. Now, I'm in the wrong scripture. I'm talking Matthew 6, 19 and 20 and 21. here. But that's a good scripture. He says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust break through and steal, but rather lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. We, need to, we talked about priorities this morning. We need to set our priorities on the wrong thing. But in John 14, he said, Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whether I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas said, Lord, we know not whether thou goest, and how can we know the way? And then Jesus said in verse 6, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So our ultimate goal then is to be uh, with Christ. After this transformation we need to be like the Apostle Paul. I I accused Brother Randy last Sunday of of, of, of preaching my sermon. I told him there wasn't any use of me coming over here. He'd already quoted all the scriptures that, that I was going to use, you know. And then Brother Lester got some of them this morning too. <laughs> uh, but this is a very familiar verse, but it gets the message across to us. In 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 8, here he says, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in kingdom." He's talking to Timothy, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust will heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears, and shall turn away from the truth and turn unto fables. He said, but watch thou in all things, endure affliction, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. He said, For I am now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight. I finished the course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge shall give to me in that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. Friends, if we're going to receive a crown of righteousness, then we have to have a moral and a spiritual reformation take place. You know, God's plan for salvation is simple. And in closing, we might just cover it. First of all, we have to hear the gospel. Romans 10.17 says then, So faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. I heard about one fellow one time that said that he always read the Bible out loud so he could hear the gospel. I don't think that that wasn't quite necessary. I believe he could comprehend it through the mind. But we need to hear the gospel first of all, to be aware of it. We need to believe. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith it's impossible to believe, uh, to be a pleasing to God, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek after him. Then we have to repent of our sins. Luke 13.3 and 13.5 says, I tell you nay, except ye repent, you shall all likewise perish. That's pretty simple, isn't it? And then confession has to be made with the mouth and also with our lives later on. In Romans 10.10, he says, With the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. And then, uh, of course, in I believe it's in Matthew 10, what, 32 and 33, he says, Whosoever shall confess me. Or deny me before man, him will I deny for the Father uh, in heaven. And whosoever shall confess me, him will I confess before the Father which is in heaven. And then that cultivating act, and and Lester talked about this also this morning, about baptism. He asked the question, you know, why doesn't anybody want to do a simple thing as as, water baptism? It's taught all through the Bible. Uh, if you go to Colossians 2.12, it calls it an operation of God. In uh, Acts 2.38, he said, Repent and be baptized everyone in the name of Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 3.26 and 27 says, For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And then, of course, the one I really like is Romans 6, about 1 through 6. He said, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound, God forbid? How can we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know you not as many of us who were baptized into Christ was baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we should also rise to walk in a onus of life. Different life. We've been transformed from an old man of sin and and rise uh, uh, to walk with him in newness of life. Then he said, For if we have been planted together with him in the likeness of his death in baptism, we shall be with him also in the likeness of his resurrection, that the old man of sin might be done away with. So we might ask the question, Don't you want to be a child of God, an heir of God? In Romans 8, 16, 17... He said, the Spirit beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children of God, then we are heirs of God. And if heirs of God, we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And we talked a little bit about that this morning. That we are heirs of our physical Father. We are heirs also of our spiritual Father. And we stand to inherit all of the joy and the bliss of heaven. The same with Jesus Christ and all the saints of all ages right there with us. And that's what it means to be an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Don't, wouldn't you like to have a, a transformed life? Wouldn't you b- like to be in a right relationship with God? I'm thinking about Matthew 11, verse 28, 29, and 30. He said, Come unto me, all you that labor in the heavy laden. and I will give you rest. Take thy yoke upon me and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your soul." For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And then in Revelation 22:17, he says, And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come, you know. He said, Whosoever will, let him come and taste of the water of life freely. Uh, and that's uh, as good an invitation as we could extend to uh, anybody. So, if you need to respond to the gospel even as an alien sinner or an erring child of God, the brethren would be happy to pray with you and for you on your behalf, or you could become a Christian. Uh, If either be the case, would you please let it be known while we stand and sing?